9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Go Plug Yourself. If you've been listening to the show uh, over the last couple months, you might have heard that we mentioned that Montreal Improv was one of the venues that Montreal lost due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, guess what? It's back. Uh, they still don't have a permanent uh, fixed address venue, but Montreal Improv is back and they're offering online courses. Uh, they're going to be offering online shows and other kinds of workshops. And Vance Gillis from Montreal Improv has come on the show to talk all about that. So uh, if you want to take an online improv course, uh, the time is now because, uh, you know, we're still under lockdown. And if you want to watch some uh, some live shows, uh, go to MontrealImprov.com and uh, take a look at what kind of a lineup they're going to be putting together. Uh, and if you enjoy Go Plug Yourself, the podcast you're listening to, uh, tell your friends, like us on social media, share the show, all of those fun things. Uh, thanks very much and enjoy the show with Vance Gillis. Two, one, hit it. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself, it's time for another Go Plug Yourself podcast. Record. But yeah, <clears throat> it sort of feels like, because this will be the intro to the whole entire show, uh when you watch like the horror movie and then like right you're like the gu- the good guys won and then like right at the end like the hand pops out of the grave like yeah. that's literally what the trump presidency feels like to me right now where you're just sort of like okay like it's taken care of they have the house they have the senate the like biden takes office i mean in podcast world yesterday but it still feels that like somehow Trump's orange hand is going to pop out of a grave and just bring us more awful, awful tidings. I mean, who knows how long Biden's even going to survive, you know? (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, but now here's where it's really dark. Like, uh, Harris seems like a perfectly reasonable president. (laughs) Like, if he doesn't make it the four years, hey, the backup plan is okay. Well, that is true. There's flaws. There's flaws with them for sure, but I'm like, if if you're anyway, we don't necessarily want to get all into politics. We had we had Dave Kaufman on a couple weeks ago and got like real into politics and did like a two hour. Dave Kaufman does the political stuff for for CJD, so we got like specifically on American politics. We got like we got real into it, and it's a it's a dark place to go. <laughs> so hey, um, Vance, welcome to the show. Uh, our guest to this week is Vance Gillis of Montreal Improv, and our host this week returning uh, to hosting duties is Ines Anaya. Hey, Ines. Hello. Ines took a brief hey, hosting hey. sabbatical, so. <laughs> yeah, you're back. Mm-hmm. Back. Yeah, that's the theme of today's show is back with a vengeance. Exactly. Things you thought might be gone in 2020 are back in 2021. And it's not a political episode. That's the, we're, we're not doing politics. <laughs> we're not. Not, yeah, the theme is, does not extend beyond those two things. Exactly, exactly. that's it. No. Um, so Vance, you're, you're back on, uh, I guess like to, to, to start off everything uh, with the news. So it, it was actually a weird trend of the last couple episodes that we've had with, uh, with a lot of Montreal performers where one of our hosts, uh, Chris Vendito, mentioned uh, again and again on this podcast that the Montreal Improv uh, was closed. 
and we were like, and we lost a small venue and the city mourns. And um, he mentioned it again when we had Kenny Struli on last episode. And Kenny was like, it's back. It's <laughs> and we're been like, back. Exactly. That's it. And I was like, oh, like, I think I've heard about this. And then I thought uh, when I when I looked you guys up, I saw that you had a whole uh, pantheon of online courses that you guys are offering. So even if the the physical space is uh, uh, in TBD, whenever lockdown and pandemic and all that stuff is at least as a as a creative entity, you're back like in force. Well, yeah, the theater closed. Um which was a really unfortunate trend in a lot of different theaters across Canada and, and everywhere really because of COVID. And uh, so the name and the assets went up for sale and my new boss, uh, Nero, who was an improv performer and a producer, he uh, purchased the name and he wanted to relaunch. So I had moved back to Montreal um, I was working for Bad Dog Theater in Toronto remotely mm-hmm. because they are also entirely online. Mm-hmm. Um, they also had a similar thing where they had to close their venue and uh, and, and shut everything down. And uh, Nero approached me and asked me if I would want to lead things to launch this new Montreal Improv, whatever it becomes. Um, obviously, the goal is to be in person and to do shows and mm-hmm. to do classes in person and all those things. Uh, but for right now, we're just launching as an online entity. And then eventually we will be in person. The goal is to have a venue uh, again, you know, and I'm hoping that other spaces in the theater um, have a similar, um, I don't know what you want to call it, but like a rebirth, you know, like a, yeah. a, 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 a place to go because yeah. there's so well, few spaces now. A, a redemption storyline. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hope, I think there's going to be a lot of, I mean, A, redemption storylines, because uh, I think that there is such a thing as like brand loyalty and recognition and stuff where you're yeah. like, oh, the people that did that are doing this. Uh, but I think there's also going to be a lot of sort of opportunity for new spaces and stuff to open up like my buddy who uh one of my friends uh is involved in running um like newspeak and theater fairmount and stuff like more like like show venues and he's like absolutely he's freaking out and in dire straits and financially it's a it's a nightmare like i don't want to try to diminish that but he's like Mm -hmm. when like the vaccine is out and people comes back he's like there's going to be such an appetite for live uh live comedy live theater live improv live music like he's like there's going to be such a boom. And he's like, it's sad to say, but he's like, there's also going to be a lot of places available to rent one way or the other, you know, like he's like, some places are going to go under, but he's like, the talent doesn't go away. He's like the people that were running successful businesses, they might have to have a new name or they might, like you said, like the name and the assets, the owners might change, but he's like, at least hopefully he's like, there will be such a demand. And he's like, I feel that the nightlife and the show scene in Montreal is going to, hopefully have like a, a, a Phoenix rising situation out of the ashes. So th- I, yeah. I see that as a potential light at the end of the tunnel. And obviously my heart goes out to every business that's struggling right now. But I, I really do think that when it becomes safe to do so, Montreal is a city that is like renowned for its nightlife, renowned for its sort of joie de vivre and all that stuff that I think that the city will kind of embrace mm-hmm. live everything. <laughs> Yeah, and the audience, like, 
felt the loss. I think like when you are a comedian or you're part of the community, you feel like you're truly the ones who care the most, especially somewhere small like Montreal, where it feels mm -hmm. like very mm -hmm. hard often to get an audience, like a very consistent, loyal audience. But the people do care. And what's wild to me is that when MIT did announce its closure, even though like 90% of the people I communicate with are comedians and like people from the trade, I heard it first, like immediately from like a lay person like one of my <laughs> civilian friends was like oh a God, lay person yeah that mit closed wow. <laughs> um so yeah you know people are on top of that and they care and they like did not want to see it close so they will be happy that it is back for sure as much as like you know the performers love to have their space and speaking of which are you guys going to be keeping the same space do you not know yet do you know for sure you won't what's going on with the theater itself uh, we for sure will not have the same space. Um, mm -hmm. The landlord actually rented out um, uh, the black box space. So they hit two spaces on Saint Laurent. Mm -hmm. They actually rented out the black box space already, and that's going to be an acting studio. I don't actually have the name, but um, it's still within the arts community. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I haven't seen inside yet, but... Um, I think it's a little bit different in there now. I don't know if they're set up to use it as a venue or if it'll just be classes, but um, that's one positive thing at least is it's still an art space. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> in terms of where we're going to go, I know that we're looking at um, hopefully being able to find an accessible space. I think that is really important, mm -hmm. uh, especially now. This is such a great opportunity to find a space that's actually accessible for people um, because so many of the comedy venues in Montreal are not. Uh, yeah, Mon Montreal is like, a, we had, um, when you mentioned you were on Bad Dog, Bad Dog Theater, we had uh, Coco Galore and uh, Ophira, is it Ophira? Yeah, Ophira. Yeah, exactly. yeah we, had that, we had them on talking about the, the Our Cities on Our Stages and they were talking about accessible venues. And as soon as they, they started talking about it, my like mind started like running down the list of venues and spaces in Montreal. And you're like, oh, there's stairs everywhere. It's yeah, I mean, not even <laughs> performance, food, but like bar, it's just like half the city is up a set of stairs. Yeah, up or down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly, that's it. And you're like, and, and to your point, it's, you know, it becomes like a real issue, like very quickly, because yeah. it's you, obviously if you're, if you're, uh, if you're not disabled then you won't recognize it, but then a, a second, the second you imagine a city of like one of Montreal's like defining, uh, architectural features is all like the stairways into the streets and kind of stuff that you sort of think about. And then you're like, oh no, this is a terrible city for accessibility. This is nobody thought about this. And it's kind of, kind of the worst. Obviously it was from hundreds of years ago that that all happened. But now that you're picking a new venue, you can kind of approach it with a fresh look and say, okay, I actually have my pick of possible venues. Accessibility can now be a real thing that I think about. So that's, I don't know, that's cool at least. To a potential new venue, right? Do you yeah. guys have any? I mean, because uh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was, I was just going to say because it, it it is a good point that no one considered it at the time because it was so long ago. All of these spaces are so old, which is okay, it's like, do you have an open area? 
is the rent ex- is the rent affordable? This is where we perform now. Perfect. I love this place because exactly. I can afford it. Um, there is nothing wrong yeah. with this whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. It has a bathroom. Um, yeah, whoa, I mean, whoa, fancy. <laughs> it's a legal venue. Um, even at that, I mean, some of the venues. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's you know there's stairs everywhere. Um, and there's, there's other things to consider in terms of um, accessibility, but it is nice that we get to have a fresh start and, and have that in mind and think, mm-hmm. okay, well, maybe we can do this. Maybe we can find a space that is accessible to, to everybody. I would even um, say like to, to, to further that is since you're right now and only an online entity, right? Like you, you uh, like we talked a little bit about this with our city, our stages, right? Is there, Right now, there is no physical barrier to access what you're doing. So, like, it, there's like the very real possibility to reach out to people who, who, like, previously had a really hard time coming out to watch live improv or live shows. So, like, or that do do improv, you know, or, or perform yeah. improv. Yeah, exactly. That's it. So, like, it, it goes it goes kind of both ways, and especially I think with that online space right now, that barrier doesn't exist. And I think it's important to make sure that when we return to physical spaces, like, that barrier stays kind of away, right? Because right now with everything being online, it's a, it's a non-factor. Everybody's in the, well, not more or less a non-factor or a smaller factor because everybody's in the comfort of their own homes. So you have all of that accessibility factor from a performer, from an audience member, as long as they can log in somewhere, they can participate. So it's like, you're kind of taking that freedom and carrying it forward into an accessible venue when you like hopefully have the new accessible version of Montreal Improv. Definitely. And there will be some sort of an online component. I think, you know, I've been to our cities on our stages for a couple of years, even prior to um, getting hired by Bad Dog. I went to our cities and on our stages one year and conversation around accessibility existed there for a long time. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, like some of the top, um, uh, what do I want to say? Uh, like the people in charge of all these different spaces in all these different cities converging together, having these conversations where the thought was, well, we can't make improv or we can't make this form of comedy more accessible. We can't put it online. And, Mm -hmm. you know, social distancing measures came into place. We were sort of forced to do it. And, um, and then we discovered you can, you can absolutely. (laughs) do this and you can bring this to people and it's not even just about being able to get up the stairs it's also like some people can't come to the city there mm-hmm. are people outside of like the idea that you have to live in the city in order to have access to these types of programs or shows or classes or whatever yeah um, it's really nice there's so many people from uh, communities that don't have you know, classes or shows or things uh, available to them who are like, I'm taking a class with, you know. With yeah, if you're, if you're like living in, in like St. Therese or whatever, like yeah. a, when, when, a Wednesday night class at Montreal Improv is you're like, that's a pipe dream. You know, you're like, I'm not going to yeah. drive home, eat dinner, drive into the city, drive if back. You're someone who can't leave their home or like their bed even, you know, like yeah. there's lots yeah. of barriers. Yeah. Definitely. Even, even, I mean, I think that there's, at least for as an audience member, uh, if you're like, I mean, I know I know a number of people with sort of like a social anxiety situation where you're just sort of like, yeah, watching live performances has an anxiety factor on them going out in public that 
they might not feel super comfortable with. So they're going to miss out on maybe seeing a comedian, seeing an improv show. And then yeah, you're sort yeah. of like, oh, I can stay on my couch. Yes, I'll. Yeah, I'll especially th- improv, like suggestions from the audience. No, thank you. You know, <laughs> someone's <laughs> going to point at me yeah. or even even live comedy. Right. Like you're just sort of like, oh, crowd work. And you're just going to be like, great. Sinking, sinking what, back into the chair. This is my, about my profession now, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a uh, an ex of mine was she was so anxious about the idea of going to a comedy show. Uh, and this was before I did comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I just, I always remember that person and I try not to find that person when I'm doing a show, but I just think of her, uh, she was so anxious about like, well, what if the comedian picks up me? What if, <laughs> what if he yells at me? I'm like, no one's going to yell at you. She's like, you never know. It might happen. I've, I've seen it. I'm like, you haven't seen it. But that's that's the impression that a lot of people have in their heads that they're, they there's a a chance they may get bullied, they may get picked on. So yeah, they're like, listen, realistically, your only chance of really getting picked on is if you just start yelling stuff in the middle of the yeah. act. Like yeah. then, then yeah, gloves are going to come off. But if you don't do that, like you should be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just be nice, and you're not going to get yelled at. But. Um, I, I definitely empathize with that. If you're, if that's not what you are looking for from your night out, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. But it, this may make forms of comedy and theater more accessible to people and actually drive up interest. Being able to watch it from home, people are definitely going to want that experience. I think when you know COVID is over, and it may include some people that would have never thought to to pursue that before. Mm-hmm. One of the things I, w- I was thinking about uh, a lot is I feel that there's also going to be like a, a handoff, like transition period, right? Where you're going to have the opportunity to be open, but there is absolutely going to be like a section of the population that doesn't feel like safe about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so I feel that there may be kind of like this, this overlap transition where you're like you might end up starting to see a show that like yeah it's coming to you like live to stream where people could watch it almost like both right where you can like come down to the venue or have a stream you know like both both things can happen at the same time if you have it properly set up right so yeah i'm not saying you guys will absolutely do that but the possibility definitely seems there since so many of the people are sort of like figuring out how to stream content so you might even be able to do a hybrid of sorts where you're like, if you're not ready to come down just yet, maybe watch the live stream, you know, like. Definitely. Yeah. I think that that is going to be a thing, not just for us, but for everybody of trying to figure out how to do things that, because I do think it will be parceled out in little bits of Mm -hmm. um, some people will feel okay with it. Some people will not until, you know, for a long time for until, uh, you know, COVID's in the rear view and that's not going to be for a while. So mm. um, I do think that, you know, a lot of different comedy companies, including ours, we're going to have to be creative and, and really change on the fly and be nimble about um, how are we presenting product to people and how are we presenting our shows? How do we get people involved? Um, Montreal Improv, before they closed, they had just sold a bunch of classes. And so they, fulfilled those classes last summer and they did some of them outside. Are we going to do that uh, this summer? I don't know. We might, you know, that's an option. Is everyone going to want to do that? I don't know. I think, I think it's going to have to be like really diversifying how we Mm -hmm. 
provide whatever it is that we're providing to people where they have a few different options of, of things, because absolutely, I don't think we're going to have people that are eager to um, be inside in an yeah. enclosed space uh, doing things with each other, you know, in yeah, the year we, 2021. Like we, 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 were, we were joking about it uh, on the last episode where like Oceaga announced their headliners and I was like, you really think there's people lining up to be like, let's be in a full crowd of 40,000 people. I'm like, Let's get into a subway car. Let's get into yeah. a metro train that is just yeah. packed to the gills. Like, and- don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, I'm probably like one of the, like, one of the people that like, if, if things feel safe, there's a lot that I would, uh, I will consider to, to go see live shows again, like particularly live music and like live comedy and stuff. And even as as a like early adopter, like I'm I'm very, if I feel like the proper precautions are being taken and whatever, if I get there and, and they're not, I'll be like goodbye. I'm leaving immediately. But I'm like if if all of the precautions are being like mentioned, it even um, on some of the smaller venues we're running this summer, uh, yeah, like it's if you go and you're like oh everybody's wearing a mask, they're the, the tables are far enough apart, so on and so forth. If you're if you're looking out for my health and safety, uh, I will like be a patron of your establishment. If I see on, like we went to a couple bars and stuff, mostly outdoor terraces and whatnot. But my wife and I actually started having the habit of like checking them out on social media to see what their like photos kind of look like. If we see like a bunch of people mingling and all that and no masks, we're like, oh no, we're not going to this place. If we see like, oh, we have these regulations and we adhere to them strictly. Okay, cool. Like, yeah, I want to support some local venues and, and go out. And even as that person who's kind of ready for it, like the concept of Oceaga is like, what are you talking about? You know, like, yeah. unless, unless there's like, to buy a ticket, you need to have like vaccine paperwork or something. Like, I'm like, I do not see how it's remotely feasible to put that many people into an area and be like, now dance and sweat a bunch. And, yeah. you know, like, and yell and pass one joint around the entire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, and share those porta potties. That's the first thing that I go to. With oh, no. It's like, man, no. Uh, you gotta pee yeah. in the trees, man. <laughs> that's I mean, what they're there for. That's what they're there for, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be very different. I think we're still, you know, the next two years are going to be very interesting and I'm very keen to see what, what happens. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm excited for what we're going to be doing, uh, because we will eventually have a venue. We will eventually be doing in-person things. Um, but you know, I'm open to the idea that that might not be the wrong answer in a few months. And we're mm-hmm. to that idea that we're going to have to really play things by ear. And I'm mm-hmm. totally fine with doing that. Uh, I'm just excited. One, one might say, as an improviser, you're, you've trained your whole life <laughs> to kind of, you know, taking it as it comes. Yeah, this is what it's for. Finally, <laughs> now I know this is what it was for. This is what it was all leading to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm just, I'm excited for... Um, for theater people to get to do theater um, again and comedy and do live comedy. Um, I think there's going to be some, probably some out of the box or outside the box thinking involved. Um, I, I was so <laughs> surprised, I guess surprised is the word um, impressed really with uh, what blue dog had done where they did this outdoor thing where you were outdoors the comic was indoors 
seemed very barely though. <laughs> like really. <laughs> What's that? You were in the wind. Barely right? indoors, just like standing on the very like ledge. On of the, the edge. Bar. <laughs> yeah. But like something like that, that's a that's a great idea. Cause people it's maybe it's not the exact same experience as being inside. Maybe it's not the exact same experience as like a year and a half ago, but um, just even being able to do something like that, people are so hungry for that. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, your friend, you had mentioned your friend said that, um, you know, once this is all in the rear view, people are going to be so eager. There's going to be such a boom for all this stuff. I think that's uh, absolutely true. People are going to be so hungry to do all these things. My only concern is just like, hopefully we don't, we is the general sense of people running venues and running um, theater groups and theater shows and things. We don't rush to just be like, okay, well, whatever, we're, we'll, we'll just put it in this space and we won't mm-hmm. worry about it. And whoever shows up, shows up. Cause that would be a bit of a step back, I think, especially if, you know, if someone gets sick at a show or something like that, oh, yeah. that's, that's the fear, I think. Uh, yeah, speaking sure. for myself, but I'm sure there's other theater folks that feel the same way of like, well, what the hell would happen if we made a misstep, you know? I think, uh, again, especially somewhere like Montreal, where you sort of really have to work for your audience and like you have to seek them out. Like, I think people care too much in that way. And maybe if, if it's not coming from like a safety, like responsibility place motivating that, like I think people are just too careful to make sure their audience feels comfortable and feels willing to come to the show. Like there's very little like, ah, we'll see who shows up here. You know, like you really yeah. like support your audience. So I think, uh, although I would hope everyone really cares about COVID safety. Sorry, I just slapped my table. Um, I, I also think like other factors will lead people to do do it the right way. And um, you say like a lot of things won't be the same, but in many ways they're better. Like sitting outside of the mm-hmm. weather is nice, watching a comedy show with, like with your beer, like maybe nicer than sitting inside of Blue Dog, you know? And mm-hmm. um, improv classes in the park. I mean, like if elementary school kids have taught me anything is that people love having class outside, you know, like why, why, why wasn't that always the case? Like that's much better than being yeah. like in the summer, being inside, like just like a windowless room learning improv. Why not outside? You know, it's not like any of our venues in Montreal have a reputation of getting like incredibly sweltering hot in the summer also, where you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, it's 30, it's 30. I remember always like the, when there's like those heat waves for fringe and you're sort of like, it's 35 degrees and it's like 10 o'clock at night. And you're just sort of like, anyway, off to mainline. And you're like, Oh my God. And you just like, you get in and immediately. And you're just like, they have the fans blasting, but they have to obviously shut the fans off because it's too loud for the show. And then you're just like, Oh no, it's, it's happening. You're like, I really want to watch the show, but now I'm about to enter like a collective like sauna with this audience. And this is what we're, this is what we're up against. Then they finally put in the AC, but like a couple of years back, holy cow, like it was like a lot of venues got real hot in the oh city. Oh my God, Diving Bell oh, yeah. Social Club, Diving mm-hmm. Bell Roasting Oven, my God. <laughs> Any of those like top floor, you know what I mean? Where all the heat is just sort of like yeah. being baked from the top and then everything else, ugh, anyway. And yeah, now you're just like, hey, is the roof a place we can have the show? Cause yeah. I'm there. Yeah, <laughs> everyone bring a chair to the park, that we reclaim the sidewalk. Yeah, like all these things that have been shown to us, like a big part of like being able to reclaim so many parts of our city that we are used to going to cars because usually you can pack people, right? Really closely. Mm-hmm. When that's not a choice and you just have to give people more room and then you're like wait we could always use all this room maybe you know mm-hmm. yeah. also i yeah, think uh, 
Sorry, oh, okay. I was, I was oh, just going to improv. Uh, there are classes that they did last summer outdoors. Um, when I moved back uh, to Montreal in August, one of my friends who had been teaching there, he said, hey, there's a, a grad show this weekend. I'm like, how are you doing a grad show? He's like, well, we've got this schoolyard and they're letting us uh, do this show on in, in their schoolyard and i hadn't been to a show in you know like or a schoolyard i don't frequent schoolyards at all <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean uh i have kids no I don't. Uh, <laughs> but going out to the schoolyard everybody brought chairs it was like I thought you were gonna say lunch you know yeah they brought everybody bought a brown lunches. paper bag lunch and it was just great. <laughs> yeah but i mean the people fact that people can like in an outdoor venue maybe like a park show they can bring their own beer and bring their own seat yeah. and bring their own mm -hmm. snacks and for a lot of people going out is sort of financially prohibitive you know and so if there's other ways that these like like that to make things accessible for people you know, great in any, in any way that it works. Yeah, yeah. definitely. In terms of, uh, in terms of cost, for sure, that's another thing that is really, I don't want to say it's, it's a good thing, but it's, it's just the fact that we're doing outdoor shows. We're not going to charge for an outdoor show. How would you even do that? Like don't <laughs> listen to this show or you got to pay me to hang out in this public park. Yeah. Um, yeah, stuff like that will definitely open it up to people. But yeah, yeah, that that show that I attended in August was so fun, and it just felt so uh, pure. Not to be con you know corny about it, but uh, it, it just felt so pure because people were so excited. They're like, "Oh my god, I missed this so much!" People were like laughing, going overboard. It felt really good. I'm excited to have something like that this summer. Like, I don't want to be. Uh overly optimistic but like like the, the the jaded part of me also acknowledges i feel that a lot of montrealers are uh at least or were sort of like spoiled by the nightlife right like and like to to ines's point how it's hard to get your audience out but that's part of the reason was that your audience took the fact that you were going to have a show this week for granted you know where it's like i'll get the next one or whatever and and they were often like they weren't disingenuous. They were just like, oh, like you always are doing shows. Like my my friend's band is always playing or is, mm -hmm. you're always doing gonna have like a spot somewhere or whatever else. And you just sort of assume that you'll get the next one. You know, like and, and I don't even think that people were necessarily even trying to always blow you off in that case. You just assumed that Montreal has a nightlife. Mm -hmm. you're, it's going to not go anywhere. <laughs> I can catch it whenever I whenever it's convenient to me. And now you're like, oh, no, it actually can completely disappear. And maybe I should like, like I, I always find um, just having having a lot of friends who are comedians and then kind of covering just for laughs sort of on from more like a media ang like angle. Like I'm like, wow, you can pack the house on just for laughs week, no matter what you're doing. You just have a little JFL logo stuck on your marquee outside and you're selling out basically. Yeah, because it's fleeting. <laughs> yeah, because everybody's like, gotta go for JFL. And then you're like, the yeah. other 50 weeks of the year, you know. All yeah, same are... people. We're doing the same, telling the same jokes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. But that's it. But you're like, oh, you're, you're, you're pulling teeth to get anybody into the seats, you know? But it's just like, because everybody's like, oh, yeah, I go to, I go see comedy all the time. And you're like, no, you go see it during Just for Laughs and then forget about it until next summer is actually what you're doing, <laughs> you know? But like, 
hope, uh, hopefully again, like to maybe have some degree of optimism is that like every people in the city who are used to sort of thinking, oh, I'll get the next show are going to maybe stop taking the next show for granted and be like, yeah, I'm coming out because uh, not to say there'll be another pandemic, but you know what? It really sucked when there wasn't a next show, you know, like, yeah, yeah just like all of us are never going to be like, ah, we'll go for beers next week, you know? Yeah, exactly. I will never not go to a hangout ever again. Like, <laughs> Ness is going to have a really big drinking problem when this is all over. Invite me for a drink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's... it's. Wait, I was going to say the one... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, so polite. I was going to say the one, the one thing that I am a little bit worried about, though, is my, like, energy level like i'm so used to also being like and i'm sleepy and i'm going to bed it's 9 30 don't care you know like and people are like oh like uh oh, i'm like my, my my friend is djing a show or whatever else like that like when does he like get on stage and like 1 a.m i'm gonna be like hard pass man i'm like i don't haven't don't remember the last time i was up till 1 a.m like i don't think you'll be invigorated though i think like a lot of our like my bedtime has become very early also but i feel yeah. like part of it is just like coping you know what i mean you're just yeah. like ah okay there's gonna be a real big overcorrection. i think at the start <laughs> you're just gonna be like, like raves like all night raves are just gonna be popping up all over the place where you're just like <laughs> we're partying and like we start the party on friday and it ends sunday <laughs> like okay that's that's the norm now i feel that there's gonna be a lot of people going real hard when this all kind of ends and i think it'll kind of correct to something but like those first parties are going to be, I'm sure, like like the first real parties when they say like, okay, Canada is vaccinated and whatever mm-hmm. else. And there's now whoever you want, damn it. Yeah, exactly. That's it. You can all do E and make out. <laughs> like it's, it's fine. <laughs> that that's what you can't wait for that press conference. Yeah, that, that's the yeah. Justin Trudeau quote. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's going to bring that moistly speaking thing around, but in the other direction, you know? <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that like I feel that those parties are going to be wild, basically. When everyone's like, oh, it's like it's really, yeah. really, really done. We have like X months of zero cases and whatever. Like, then you're going to have the like craziest ballon blanc or whatever the hell ever. You're going to be like, oh, no. People are just descended into a sea of hedonism. Like, I mean, just look at this summer when we were only, you know, in Toronto, we were only locked down. We only had those measures for, I don't know, a month and a half, two months. And people were spraying loaded. You know, we lived um, in Toronto near the beaches area and it was just, the beaches were packed. It was like people could not wait to go out and, and just do normal things and just be like, it's fine. It's fine. And then going back into the second wave, it just feels like people are going to be spring loaded. Yeah. Well, what was that? There was that, that park in Toronto. My, uh, my wife's cousin lived near it. Like the what? Trinity Bellwood. Yeah. The Trinity Bellwoods park. We saw all the photos there and we were like, what are they doing? Why are they like, why does Trinity Bellwoods look like Trinity Bellwoods? (laughs) It shouldn't look like that this summer. Like that's not, normal like because we we had been um in 2019 uh we spent a couple days my my wife's cousin had 
gone on like a week or two of canoe camping. So we ended up uh, living in like going to her apartment and living there for a while. Like <laughs> just, just, you know, cause we had a free apartment in like a trendy spot of Toronto and working remote and all that stuff. And yeah, like we hung out at the Trinity Bellwoods a bunch and we're like, so we were like very familiar with it. And then we're like, when we saw that happen, we're like, what is happening? And you're just sort of like, why are people willing to flaunt? It's scary. <laughs> like, can you just, mm-hmm. and you don't even like, I, like I, a part of me used to get mad when I saw that. And I'm, I think I still do to a certain point, but like, I've kind of come around to the other side of just being like, people are just desperate to be with one another again, mm-hmm. that they're like willing to pretend that it's safe. Like, I don't think anybody is being like, like, I think that people, th- I, I think, ev- like, my opinion is I think everybody breaking the rules think they're, thinks they're doing so in the safest way possible. Like, you know, like, they, they, they did the backflips in their head to justify it. Might not be where I would go, but I think that, like, if someone's doing that, they believe they're being safe, feel they're wrong. But I've kind of, like, come around to being like, I don't agree with you. I'd rather you go inside. And I think absolutely people should stop you and spread you out. But I don't necessarily begrudge the fact that you really wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, <laughs> like Definitely. I'm, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm like I'm desperate to see people. I like to live all alone, see one person, well, like more than one person a year, and manage to keep it in my pants. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you can you can easily like you can still be mad at them, but I feel that like I can I've I've managed to like understand it on a human level how they got there. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't absolutely don't endorse it. And I feel that like people should blast them with water hoses or something that's not like painful, <laughs> you know, or whatever. I get it. But tear gas them, you know, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> go on home, head on home, kids. Well, it's like they, they, they were talking about um, I, I was watching this thing with a um, a member of law enforcement who was talking about the, the, the Christmas gatherings band. And he was like, man, he's like, there was it's just like not a great year to be a cop for a number of very valid reasons in general, but now they're like shut down Christmas and you're the like foot soldiers who are going to bust up Christmas parties. And they're like, that's real great. And all (laughs) like, you're like, how do you just like bust in and be like, you're celebrating Christmas. And now it's over. You buy a Grinch outfit is how you do it. Yeah, exactly. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Like you're like, even though for, for whatever reasons you became a cop, I feel like, like literally shutting down Christmas was not one of them. Like no matter, no matter what your uh, like um, motivation in joining law enforcement was good or bad, shutting down Christmas probably was not a thing you ever thought was part of the job. Like where you're like, no, cancel Christmas, get out there. And you're like, it's crazy. What a fun year is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I mean, I, I was mad at, people for a long time uh, when, you know, cause I, I've taken it very seriously. I think the distancing stuff, I haven't been on, mm. on not social media on public transit. <laughs> since, uh, I mean, quitting March. social media is probably not the worst thing either. Like social media distancing. Those are both good things. People. Yeah. People are just trying to cope but no one's at their best right now. And that's what I try to keep reminding myself of. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was mad for, for a while, but I've just kind of tried to come around to whatever I'm doing 
uh, I can't expect other people to be doing that too. And they're going to cope and deal with it in a different way, maybe. Yeah, like we've, um, like I found a a lot of people are are kind of like complaining about the lockdown and like, uh, this is CEO and I just said like, oh, I I believe in people, but now here's my bitter part coming out. Where it's like everybody who's complaining about the curfew and all that stuff, like it's somehow impacting their lives. I was like, we've been pretty much locked down since the middle of October. Like, what have you been doing mm-hmm. that I haven't been doing? <laughs> Where I was like, cause this is pretty much the same as it's been for the last like three months. You, you've never like bars and stuff were closed. Uh, you weren't allowed over at someone's house. You technically since middle of October, were not really supposed to meet up outside. Yeah, so the fact that it closes like an hour or like later than that anyway, like what were you doing? Yeah, but- exactly. That. There's definitely it, people who would does it, you know, like, I don't I agree with you, but I just think that's like, what's so infuriating about the, um, about the curfew is because the people it is hurting is the people who had no choice, the people who are homeless or people yeah. who are working and apparently still get fined. But mm-hmm. yeah, the like, I don't know, every, every day person who's complaining about it, who leads a life like mine, I was also like, what, why do you even need this to be a rule in order to screw over homeless people? Just because you couldn't like do the right thing and stay at home at like in the yeah. evening, mm-hmm. what are you, what, what are you up to? Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. That's it. I was like, I don't know about like, if I'm not allowed to go over to anyone's house, you know, I went, I didn't go on a lot of night walks in the middle of January. Like, you know, like I was like outside of my dog, which I'm still allowed to do. If she has to go out. That's you know, walk around the block, the end. Like I wasn't, I'm not allowed to go to anyone's home. I wasn't leaving the house anyway. So, and which I think was, is, is kind of telling, I think of how many people were probably bending the rules here and there. And I mean, and just from a, how do you enforce it kind of perspective, like at this point, like prior to the curfew, if you saw a car driving around at night, you'd be like, I don't know why he's there. Now you're like, he probably shouldn't be, <laughs> you know? So like, there's something to enforce. And like that whole police state element of it is terrifying to me in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if everybody was grown ups about it, maybe we wouldn't have gotten there. And I guess this is how like 1984 starts. Like, I don't know. Like there's all sorts of like thoughts going through my brain at the same time. And I'm bet I'm just like at the end of the day, stay indoors. Uh, I guess go to virtual uh, improv classes if you can <laughs> watch watch online shows, find other things to occupy your evenings and, you know, wait it out, I guess is my mm-hmm. advice. I don't know. Fans, do you have any other, any advice on how to, how to beat the curfew? I go, you guys have the, all the courses, right? I mean, yeah, we have bringing it back. We're, we're, we're tying that back up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we have courses that are completely virtual. Um, we have beginner classes. We have like regular six week classes. We have drop-ins that are for people who have no experience at all and just want to try it or people who do have experience, but haven't done it online. So we have all that stuff on our, on our website. What, what is that like, I guess, like, like say, like, I, I'm, I'm sitting here, uh, like if you I just, I obviously don't want you to get too into the detail. I'm like, okay, I have a microphone, I have a camera, whatever. And I want to go, I'm still going to be in my own space. Like, how do you guys sort of, I guess, tackle that? How do you kind of uh, get people sort of, okay, we're still going to improvise. Like, how do you break down that virtual barrier that, yeah, you might have 30 people or whatever, but they're all on a Zoom call. Like, how do you, what sort of approach do you guys use? Uh, Well, we go small. So we have small class sizes. Uh, I think part of going online, we found as teachers that 
Um, you can't get through as much stuff. Everything requires a bit more explanation. Um, so we go with smaller groups so that everybody gets a chance to kind of do what, you know, and participate and, and be a part of it. Um, it's not really that much different from in person. It's just dealing with the limitations of Zoom. But everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, but, you know, like 95% of people that come through have enough experience with Zoom that it's not really an issue. You know? mm -hmm. um, it's surprisingly adaptable to the online environment. And it's it's a shame because, you know, to circle back to what I was talking about earlier, we, you know, the folks running these spaces all over North America have been saying for years that it can't be done. And then we were mm -hmm. to do it and we've all come up with content that totally works and is totally uh uh it like it's just as satisfying just as fun just as funny um and we could have been doing this all these years but we just said no and didn't really try it so um it's it, it definitely does translate uh, it's obviously a little bit different in terms of well i don't have people physically in the room with me Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of shows, we're about to dip our toes into that uh, starting next month. We haven't run any online shows yet. I think that plays out a little bit different. Um, doing classes is one thing. Uh, having that connection with people is still definitely possible over Zoom. But we're looking into, for our shows, we're looking into how can we make those still feel like a show. Mm -hmm. The thing with Zoom is that it can be a little bit of a void, right? Um, yeah. And so I've just been watching shows. I watched a, a stand-up show from an American company last week uh, that felt very different uh, because they were doing stand-up and there was no audience. And so no one was laughing at their jokes. And it was still funny, but it was like, this is like, <laughs> this must feel so different for that performer, right? It must feel so different. But there was a couple performers that had, sort of, I, I don't know if this was normally their act because I didn't know any of these comedians. I just wanted to drop in on a show for research to see like what are other communities doing. Um, but a couple of the comedians, their comedy, they had tweaked it and it worked on Zoom. Like what they were doing felt like it was made for Zoom. So I think that's what we have to look at for our programming is how can we make it so that it's tailored for Zoom? Because I also think this is going to be a permanent part of our identity is online even yeah. COVID's in the rear view. So how do we balance the both? You know, we need to have a hybrid of both in-person and online. Uh, and so we, we need to just continue getting really good at doing online stuff. So, uh, so that's the plan for right now. I think one, one of the, one of the weirdest audience performer moments I've seen was I've, I've been watching a lot of, like I said, live, live music streams particularly. And it was like a DJ or whatever was just like, He's like, is everybody like down to party? And he's doing the whole DJ like shtick to no one, <laughs> right? But like, I'm like, I know for like, this is just a microphone and he's in front of the thing. And he was just sort of like, he's like, he's like, everybody like mash one in the chat or whatever, if you're like ready. And I was like, this is ridiculous. But sure enough in the chat, it's just like a wall of ones. And I'm like, and, and the guy has that screen. So at least he like, there is that moment of like, it's not a cheer, but like there's hundreds of people mashing one in the chat telling him to like let the beat drop or whatever you know like yeah so i was like it was like it wasn't really like weird and and stuff but i was like it still gave him clearly some kind of a 
a feedback. Like if you're like ready to party, like mash one in the chat. And then there's just like, sure enough, the chat was a a wall of just like blowing up, blowing up of everybody mashing one, you know? And I was like, okay. I was like, something i would be comfortable doing did you mash the one key (laughs) no i I didn't mash one and i don't think i would do that as a performer but (laughs) i was Uh, like this guy and his audience did manage to connect that way like uh, i think it was i want to say it was dj z trip i want to say like if i'm if i'm if i remember it correctly but it was like it was still something you know which i'm like you can you could easily see how as a as a performer or whatever he was like i'm just playing by myself but i do have this like narrow little window to the audience, which is this chat log. I don't necessarily have time to read things I'm performing, but something like, are you ready to rock press one? I will see the, the, the effect of it, you know, like it was like this weird kind of like workaround to, oh yeah, there is an audience and they're paying attention, you know, as opposed to like, so at least there's some sort of a feeling like a lot, I think a lot of people who've done that live, they're like, you know, the audience is there, but it's still very difficult to, feel the audience the way you normally would in like a, in a traditional kind of like theater environment. And I think that's, that's, I think the biggest Mm -hmm. thing that with all of this has happened, like even um, the other one is like when you, I don't know if you watch a lot of sports or anything, but like how they'll, they, you can have like a lot of sports now have those things you can like sign up and you can have your camera there and then they can choose to put you up on part of the live broadcast. But like, Like the, like being on the whatever it's called when you go to the stadium and they put you on the, the jumbo truck. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. It's funny though, because like inevitably, like they, they kind of like do the fake out. Like it's like a real thing. They're like, boom, boom, like make some noise, whatever. And they cut and you just see some guy like staring into space and then realize <laughs> he's on camera. And then it's like, Oh yeah. Cause he's like, he's not actually standing up and ch- like, I, I watch a lot of hockey. I don't stand up and scream when there's a goal in my house. I will do it in the arena. Cause that's yeah. a thing. But that's very clear. Like if you want, I mean, the only thing I ever watch is like soccer, but you know, like they pan to someone oh, in the audience and there's very much that lag before they realize they're on screen and then they go wild. I mean, they're like maybe at a baseline a bit more excited than they would be on their couch. But I think that if anything, it replicates the experience very well. Yeah. Uh, Vance, do you find with the classes uh, or with teaching, like what's the, um, like, is it a lot less focus on the physicality in terms of improv? Because I know, I mean, I only took like one, not one class, but like one course, I guess, um, before I started stand up. But it was like a lot about like your full body, you know, and even though on Zoom, you can see like everyone can see each other. You're still there. It seems screenshots I've seen of improv shows of Zoom shows are like just people's like sort of heads. It's it's more of like a talking head style of improv show. So like I'm wondering whether that applies to the classes. Like how is that balance being like drawn online? I mean for beginner stuff, um we're trying to include physicality in there more so than we normally would because we want to ingrain that in people that maybe won't be coming to see us in person um, because maybe they don't live here or, um, or maybe they're just not able to. And so we want to make sure that we're really front loading that because it can become very easy to have it be just sort of, you know, head and shoulders and no physicality. Um, to put, it's tricky. I was going to say there's the, the remember if you guys ever played the Wii, 
whenever you like loaded up a Wii game, like the Nintendo Wii, it had that warning of being like, please make sure the area is clear of like breakable <laughs> objects and all that stuff. And yeah. you're just like, if you're about to get up and start moving around, like maybe move the lamp, <laughs> you know, and stuff like. <clears throat> yeah, have you, like, have you watched anyone break any furniture, or break a lamp on, on any of these classes? Because that would be great. <laughs> Uh, I actually, I took a class last uh, summer and um, one of the, one of the guys had his, he was on his uh, phone and he was walking around uh, while on his phone and was just trying to like interact with objects and he fell down, he was outside and he fell down. Um, And the teacher was like, Hey, look, I love this creativity, but if you're going to do this, watch where you're going because uh, yeah. I don't want you to like hurt yourself as you're doing this. Yeah, so I think the, the last thing you need is the like online improv class goes horribly wrong. Yeah. So yeah, we're just, we're, we're experimenting. It's still very much an experimental thing. You know, we have our plans for each class and we're trying to have it be as similar to what we would teach in person, but we're recognizing on the fly, you know, class to class, we're changing it up and having to um, figure out how do we keep this from just being people sitting down and we're only seeing their face and it's only an intellectual thing. Because the fun of improv is that it's not just an intellectual thing, you know, Um, and it's not just about being clever. It's also about being physical and having it be, you know, a full body performance. So uh, it's mm-hmm. true. And like bringing a scene to life is so much about sort of, you know, the the fake objects you're picking up and the way you're interacting with your fellow characters. And like a lot of that, uh, like what's wonderful about a good improv show is how much people can sort of out of the blue bring a scene to life really vividly. And the physicality is so key to that. Yeah, right? definitely. And that's And that's the other thing too is like, we know that some people who are in our meds to our improvisers um, are like, th- they're okay with doing online improv, but some of them are like, well, how can I sharpen my skills if we're, if we're online? And it's tricky to explain it to people. They just sort of have to come in and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also recognizing that, you know, uh, maybe this is also an opportunity to bring other things to people. So uh, over the next few months, we'll be bringing other skills, not just improv, but other things that people can sort of cross pollinate their skill sets. So I know we're going to have writing classes for, um, you know, for screenwriting and for sketch writing and, um, and stand up. And we're going to be bringing those skills as well for, especially for folks that are, because so much of what we're doing right now in general, and by we, I mean, everybody is online. Also, some people are like, I don't want to perform right now. I don't feel like performing because I'm on Zoom all day anyway. You know, mm-hmm. whatever. So what are some other things we can do? So that's what we're looking at right now is is opening that up over the next few months. I, mean, I guess the so <clears throat> we usually close off the show with a little five segment uh, question for five questions. But before we get to that, uh, I want to say, do, where do we go? Is it, is it Montreal improv dot CA dot com? Dot com. Facebook? Yeah. <laughs> we also have it on uh, Facebook mm-hmm. and Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on, on any of those channels, but it's Montreal We have classes in English. 
we also have classes in French and we'll start having shows in English uh, starting next month in February. So, so right now I know, like I said, this comes out on Thursday the 20th. I think there would still be a couple of courses that you might still be able to jump into, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, and there, and I was taking a look at the, the listing before we started recording, Like, and you mentioned in the show too, across all levels, right? Like there's, yeah. there's beginner stuff, there's intermediate stuff. So if you're... If you've never done any improv, there's something you can do. You could start online, which I mean, I feel is also like a, a wider open door even, right? Like there's, there is something of like, and I don't, I, I don't wish this happens, <laughs> but like, you know, like going into a physical space, being surrounded by strangers, having that happening and you're like, oh, I won't be able to leave. I'm like, if you're really, really uncomfortable online, you can just be like, boop, and like close the window. If It'll be sad, and we don't want that to happen. We don't <laughs> wish that happens to anyone, but it, it is in a way you can like, you can step in in the comfort of your own home, knowing that like there's a lot of sort of uh, like, there's less unknown factors, it feels like, if you're if you're really sort of on the fence about do your you or don't. Smells, your smells, your cat, you know, your, your nice hot beverage, whatever you need to feel comfy, it's all there with you. Yeah. If you want to be yeah. wearing your your one piece uh, pajamas or whatever, like it's fine, like it's okay. <laughs> I don't know if it's fine, but you can, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I, my my wife was actually. I um. Do you know what a kigurumi is? It's like yeah. a it's an oversized like fleecy onesie, usually in the form of like a character. They're from Japan. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have a I have a Jack Skellington kigurumi. And I was just like hanging out watching hockey last night and my wife was on uh, a video call with like one of her friends or whatever and just like like walked in and was just sort of like, oh, like, hi, Adam says hi. And I was just like, I'm like, this is not for people. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, like, why do you like naked coming out of the shower? Exactly. I'm, like, yeah. I'm wearing a giant fluffy Jack Skellington costume, essentially, that is incredibly cozy and, and comfortable. But I'm like, this is not something that I wear for you, <laughs> you know, like, this is something for me. I'm watching my hockey and I'm, I'm bundled up. I'm cozy. Don't, don't show me like this. <laughs> but yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wear my kigurumi if I was doing the improv class is what I'm saying, but I could, if I you wanted. could, you have that option if you wanted yeah. to. <laughs> All right. Shall we jump into our, our cues? We'll jump five questions. So Vance, this is, we, uh, we ask the same three questions to every guest. Uh, then we ask a fourth question, which is uh, a question from our previous guest, uh, not knowing it was you, it was Kenny Struly who asked this question. And then the fifth question, I will tell you what it is in advance, so it's in the back of your head, is what question do you want to ask our future guest? So you can have right. that sort of like percolating while you answer the other questions. Uh, cool. Ines, do you want to kick it off? Sure. Let me just pull these up. Little rusty. All right. Uh, so, number one question: uh, What do your thoughts sound like? Uh, a lot of preambles and digressions, and um, and a lot of analysis. It's a lot of like, well, th well, if this happened, then this could happen, and if this happened, then this could happen. It's all like strategy. It's a it's a big mess, and then I go to bed and it turns off and I rest and then I wake up and it starts again. So weird, weird follow-up question um, based, based solely on that answer. Do you play a lot of board games? Oh my God. I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> 
no, I actually don't play a lot of board games. Uh, okay. But I, I, when I do, I, I uh, love it. But do you I take don't... a really long time to play? <laughs> no, there's, uh, like, there's, there's a, we, we actually, like, I play a bunch of board games with my friends, and we actually, we thought we had the term, but then apparently it exists on the internet. There's, like, a term called, like, analysis paralysis, hmm. where when a game presents you with too many options, like, the person takes, like, 10 minutes to take their turn. Because they're, like, if this happens, then that happens, and this happens, right. and then that happens, and whatever. And they just kind of, like, also been watching Queen's Gambit, so they take a long time doing the chess. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was wondering if like, if that occasionally uh, like slows you down where you're like, I would like to try to play out as many scenarios in my head as possible before I commit to one. Mm. I, I, I would say that I do the opposite if only because I have analysis paralysis with so many other facets of my life. So when I'm playing a board game, I'm like, screw it. Like, fuck it, I'll just do whatever. I'm allowing myself this. I'll do this now. But when it comes to, let's say, picking a show to watch on Netflix, that's going to be about 40 minutes. And then now there's not enough time to watch the show. because <laughs> there's, there's too much choice, you know? Yeah. So it's the flip side. Uh, when I'm playing the game, I'm just going to be like, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, you want to take question two? Uh, what was your favorite thing to eat as a child? <laughs> uh, my and, favorite and child is open to interpretation also. Like if you're like whatever and, right. and, and favorite thing to eat. We also, people have asked, is it like snack or meal? doesn't matter. Like, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> my, my absolute favorite thing as a kid was mini pizzas. Uh, do you know what I mean when I say mini pizzas? So like the weird red sauce ones? Like the when, No. When no. having moved to Toronto, everyone called pizza bagels, even though they have nothing to do with bagels. <laughs> there's bagel no. bites. There's there's bagel bites. These are like because I'm from Nova Scotia and we had these mini pizzas. They would come in a pack of eight and mm-hmm. they'd be frozen. They come in a clear package. And um, you would microwave them. They were pizzas that you would microwave and they have sort of the consistency of like a tough, it's, it's almost like if you had a pizza pocket and you opened it up and it was just a personal pan pizza, like, like the size of a little. When you, when you say tough, like I was immediately like, I was like, can you microwave the dough? It's going to be all like chewy. It is pastry like than dough like is what you're saying. Yeah, but like but also but like, like plasticky too, like rubbery type texture because the the steam isn't going anywhere, so it just makes it sort of. Uh, you microwave it's it in the plastic. It's awful. No, you would remove it from the plastic. You'd put okay. it on the plate and you'd microwave it. Um, I was like Vance, you ate plastic. I have bad news for you. <laughs> yeah, it explains a lot. <laughs> I would just like to clarify, by the way, that I did not mean bagel bites. I meant what everyone in Toronto calls pizza bagels. And they're just these mini pizzas and you buy them in a pack in a plastic bag, but not frozen. And then you like, I don't know, whatever, stick them, like eat them cold was good or stick them in the toaster oven, but they're just little pizzas. And I think I'm doing a little background research here. Uh, I guess they were sold by this like bagel um, 
shop uh, initially and like they called them pizza bagels but then just everyone i knew when i moved there would call these little pizzas pizza bagels and so that's what it reminded me of not bagel bites keith you take that back all right <laughs> okay i'm just saying maybe bagel bites were capitalizing on pizza bagels you know what i mean like they were like they, they were the mass marketed they could be pizza bagels are way better than what i'm describing okay pizza bagels are palatable the ones that i loved as a kid are just inedible now, but I loved them. I loved the texture. I loved the pizza taste. Uh, it was my favorite. Yeah. Like I had a buddy, like when you mentioned pizza pockets, which I guess is the, the closest analogy that, that I have who like, I was always like, you need to eat a pizza pocket real quick before the dough does that thing where it becomes like hard shoe leather. And my friend was like, no, you got to let it cool off. And that's like part of it. And I was like, what are you <laughs> the best part is when it's like biting into the sole of a shoe and you're like, what are you talking about? This is just Ugh. hard, like kind of chewy, but mostly just tough. Whatever. If you let the bagel, like or if you let the pizza pocket cool down, that's what happens. And I was like, no, you're mistaken. But apparently that was your jam. Hey, different strokes for different folks. Absolutely. All right. Question Jeez, number three. Then. What is the best or worst thing about growing up? Um, hmm. uh, the, none of I, it, none of this. I never really grew up. A couple of people have said that, and I'm like, I'm starting to hate it. They're like, I feel like I didn't grow up. I'm like, yes, you did. You pay bills now and stuff. Yeah, like, <laughs> but your hair is falling out. Okay, we see it. Exactly. Valentine's <laughs> right, uh, doing good. That's mean. <laughs> uh, this isn't even my own thought, and. Um, and I hate to even bring it up because it's a it's from a comic who's no longer reputable or turns out is not a decent human being. Mm-hmm. But um, this person had a thought that um, what sucks about growing up is that people stop being proud of you. <laughs> uh, and I think that's probably the worst part about growing up is that you are now the person. You're, there's that you have fewer and fewer people to look up to the older you get because you because you just are getting older. You're one of these people now. Uh, And so there can be pressure there to be the one to uh, have other people look up to you. Um, I I also feel that like as society, we're like improperly conditioned or maybe it's just because I can sometimes be, be shitty, but like, like I've tried to tell people that I'm proud of them before and they're just like, like, shut up. (laughs) You know, like, like someone puts on a really good show and I was like, oh, like I'm really proud of you. And you're like, what is that supposed to mean? I was like, nothing. Like you're my friend and you did a cool thing, man. <laughs> like, That's what like, sucks about growing up is that you like start to really overthink compliments a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but I, like so many people are like ready to, to feel backhanded. You're like, why would another adult tell me that they're proud of me? And I was like, I can be proud of my friends for their accomplishments. Like that doesn't need to be a weird backhanded thing. And it's almost conditions you to not be proud of people but like to your mm-hmm. point it's a good feeling when someone says like i'm really like proud of you like and i guess because people think that it's condescending like i can be proud of someone who is not like younger than me or whatever else like i could be proud of my wife my wife can be proud of me you know it's not necessarily i think there's like a weird attachment to condescension that pride has where you're like oh you think you're better than me to be proud of me and i'm like I don't think that that's true. Like I can just be proud to be like that. I know someone who accomplished something cool. Like that's, that's an okay thing, <laughs> you know? So we can accept pride. I think of uh, like 
other people being proud of us. And I think, I think A, we can accept it, and B, we can offer it more freely than we do. All right, 2021. 2021, be proud of your friends. You know, your friends are doing cool shit. I think that is the good, the, the, my favorite thing about getting older is that I'm, uh, I'm, I get better and better and better at being kind. <laughs> like I can <laughs> recognize when I'm better at recognizing when people need to hear something nice, um, and how to reach them and how to be nice to them. So maybe that's the, maybe that's the best thing. Uh, mm -hmm. and 2021, that's the year to, really be nice to people because everyone's having a hard time. This is true. This is true. I think so too. And I think that's the other, another, I mean, I don't want to be skipping ahead too much to, to the vaccine or whatever, but like, I think everybody's going to need to have like, I think a wider, and I'm not need to, they should have sort of like a wider range of acceptance or whatever. Like I feel that there's so many people that are going to be trying stuff for the first time because they've been cooped up that I think that like collectively we need to understand that like some people are here, whatever here is for the first time, you know, like in all things, because everybody's been cooped up. And I think there's going to be a lot of people who want to try stuff, like try new things and whatever. So everyone yeah. I think should be ready for that. that you're going to have new people at the shows. You're going to have new people trying this out, new people trying that out. And everybody needs to take a step back and be like, welcome to the people who realized that like life isn't infinite and maybe they always did want to do improv, <laughs> you know, like, and now they're here, you know, like, so. Cheers to them. All right, Keith, hit us with number four. Question four from Kenny Struley wants to know, um, what object in your life brings out like a strong memory, good or bad? Oh, uh, good question, Kenny. Um, Ooh, a strong memory. While you think of this, I'll fill you in a little bit uh, for the listeners. Uh, Kenny was our guest last episode, and he just did Malunderstood. And that whole, he ended up getting a, a grant from the government to kind of do a version of the show where he went back to his home. And he was like, as soon as you go back to your childhood home, there's all these like, like literally outwardly insignificant objects that just are set, like imbued with like memory energy that you're like, oh, that rug has this memory like just tied into it so he was kind of that's where he, he kind of came up with the question of like where like what object around you in your home or just from memory do you have a strong sort of like memory attachment to so that was kind of the background of the question uh and and kenny's show is still available i think right it's still available until the end of lockdown he was originally going to do it to have it up online till january 11th and now he said that it's going to be it's going to be available until uh lockdown is over at least <clears throat> he's like so he's like he's, he, he's like it might just be available until theaters open up so who knows what that's going to be <laughs> like who, know, who knows what it's going to be it's up available for a limited limited time at least until the end of lockdown which is february 8th the original end date was January 11th, uh, so yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna catch it, catch it now. Don't assume it's gonna be there after, but do might. not take it for granted. We joked about that on the episode too. He was just sort of like he's like again uh, to bring it back even to this episode. We're like, oh, I'll get the next one. He's like, man, he's like, you're all sitting at home and you're all locked down, and it's available yeah. for like. Um, a sort of like pay what you decide basis and all that stuff. Like all your friends are like, Oh, I meant to watch it. But then, you know, like he's like, 
no. <laughs> he's like, if you did not watch the show, yeah. exactly. He's like, if you watched it and didn't pay for it, that's one thing. But he's like, at least watch it. At the very <laughs> least, it's up there. <laughs> Everyone should at least watch this. All right, Vance, any thoughts on objects in your life? Yeah, I, there's I, the first one that pops in my head. It's a chair in my grandmother's house. Um, my grandfather died 10 years ago, and he and I were really close. We had a really uh, good relationship. He was just one of my favorite people. And I think of uh, every time I see that chair, every time I'm in my, my grandmother's house, and I see that chair, I just picture my grandfather um, – sitting down with a cup of tea watching the hockey game. Um, he was a lifelong Leafs fan. <laughs> and uh, and my dad is a lifelong uh, Canadians fan. And for when you're in Nova Scotia, you don't have a home team, right? So everybody is either for the Leafs or the Habs or the Bruins. Or yeah. the Penguins now, though. I mean, I got a lot of cousins. Yeah, yes, like yeah. young younger kids. Because because yeah. of Sid, there's a lot of a lot of Penguins fans. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, so they were they were big fans. So that chair just reminds me of my grandfather, who is just the sweetest, most mildest man, getting visibly upset. Uh, and he wouldn't he wouldn't be like a jerk. He wouldn't be rude. He wouldn't take it out on anybody. But you could just see that this kind, sweet man was just boiling inside whenever the the Leafs would lose to the Habs. And that's what I think of when I uh, see that chair. It's just my grandfather just sort of like, bullshit. <laughs> Damn Leafs. Yeah, my wife says that occasionally. Like, I... I... I love that love Habs and I love sports, but I also try to like <clears throat> compartmentalize the fact that it is just a form of entertainment. I have no vested interest in the outcome and I try to be like very logical, but I still get like, obvious, like just get fired up about the sports and sometimes like sometimes like they lose and whatever. And I try to be like, okay, whatever, just going to move on with my Saturday. And like, and Sarah just comes up to me and she's like, she's like, Oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, you have nothing to be sorry about. Like none of us are involved with this. It's just, it's rich people playing hockey. Like, this is like, don't apologize for this thing that I'm completely like, inexplicably invested in like i was like yeah. i have no stakes on this whatsoever other than i live in the city where none of these guys are even from yeah. wearing a certain jersey that clothes i are from. yeah exactly they're wearing yeah. the right clothes so i'm <laughs> cheering for them <laughs> so i was like try to try to just like i try to enjoy sports and then also disconnect myself from the outcome but inevitably yeah you're just like you're just somehow emotionally invested in the outcome and you're like oh i'm sorry they lost i was like don't apologize. I'm like, I should not be upset about this is the actual, the actual thing that should be happening is me not caring about this at all. Uh, but that's amazing. Like that. I, I um, like the grandfather's chair thing just reminds me a lot of uh, my grandparents uh, who have both, both passed away at this point have uh, a cottage uh, or I guess it belongs to my uncle right now, but like every, like I haven't stepped in there in a really long time, but every time you step foot in there, it's just sort of like, memories of cottage summer and each and every like nook and cranny of that just have this like time travel effect you know where you're just like oh it's you haven't moved things around or changed things really and even if you have enough of it's the same and like furniture i find is very weird when you're like that's someone's chair <laughs> you know it's like a very like powerful thing to me where you're like oh that chair is like a person who might not even still be with us anymore but it's like all of the memories and history of that single piece of furniture it's a, it's interesting to me 
all the, just all that to say and it, and it's weird because I think everybody can relate to that you know like if you go back and you, there's like a certain familiarity or whatever with a certain object or furniture great answer is what I'm saying <laughs> uh, and then uh, finally yeah to turn the tables what question do you want to ask uh, to our future guest without knowing who that will be because we definitely don't I mean we do we plan this well in ahead mm-hmm. um I, well, so this is going to be a two-part question. So what is the best? Breaking the rules already. That's a- <laughs> what, what is the best and the worst, right? So it's technically one question. What is the okay. best and the worst uh, vegetable? That's the question I want to ask. What's the best and the worst vegetable? What's the best and the worst vegetable? Any any kind of preparation? Like, or just, uh, you're allowed to prepare it however you. However you want. However you want. Because my my first answer was like cheating, though, because I was like, it's like stuffed eggplant, but there's like mincemeat and stuff involved in that. I'm like, what's the eggplant doing in this situation? Eggplants are wonderful, though. You're not. (laughs) I I like eggplants also, but I'm like, but like. Are we talking about, do do we want the answer to be two different vegetables or are we talking one vegetable that can be both? (laughs) For example, Brussels sprouts, boiled the worst. Yeah. Roasted and like bacon and whatever, amazing. Yeah. You know? That's a great, yeah, that would be a great answer, actually. That'd be a great two-pronged. Let's let's say there's two separate vegetables, but bonus points if they're able to fit it in like a Brussels sprout. Like are, are peas a vegetable? Like those, yeah. yeah, I think we're talking like general, like culinarily speaking, they're a vegetable. Like I think tomato <laughs> should be accepted as an answer, even though it's like botanically a fruit, you know? Yeah, yeah. No. Like wor- worst for me is 100% peas. Like I am the- Dad, We're gonna have to break up. <laughs> Sorry, Ness. I just like, uh, and and the reason though is it's, it's not even flavor. It's just like pure consistency. Like I just, I feel they're like, they're too small and weird. And I feel they get in the way of whatever I'm eating. I don't mind them a, like- You're like a mushy pea kind of? Like a like, no, a, like that's, that, that, that's what I'm saying. Like a mushy pea or whatever is just- <clears throat> Roast to me like there's no small unit it's just like potato like mashed potatoes but instead of potatoes it's peas you know yeah that's it and i was like get out of here (laughs) (laughs) and and i will say that like and this is where i i will say that like if if there's peas like i'm i'm really 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 not a picky eater if like there's peas in something i will have no problem eating it if you make like a, a shepherd's pie or whatever that has peas in it or whatever if there's if it's like a, a mixed, like, you know, when there's like that, that like peas and carrots kind of like chopped up salady mm-hmm. sort of thing, I'll eat that. Like, that's no problem. But if you just put a pile of peas on my plate, I'm 100% not eating it. It's like, it's one of the only things. And wait, olives. <laughs> and I, and I, I, and again, if olives are on a pizza, no problem. Like if you put like in either of these two cases, if you put them in something or prepare them in a dish, I'm not going to be like, I'm not like one of those, like I'm taking it out of like, that's, that's ridiculous. But both of those two things, if they're just like on their own, I'm like, I'm not touching them. Like, and I remember peas and peas were early on because I, and my, my hatred of peas began (laughs) when I was like, you, this is, I was like a hot chicken sandwich sounds like the best thing in the world. It's like a chicken sandwich that you pour gravy all over. And then you're like, let's dump peas on it. I'm like, no, stop. I was like, well, that's not part of it. Just take a hot, a hot chicken sandwich, pour gravy all over it. 
I do nope. feel like your your hatred of peas is very counter to your like to your Quebecois identity. You know, it's it's sort of like the yeah. cornerstone of many a Quebecois dish. Yeah, yeah. but that's it. I I just remember like I, and I remember at uh at high school cafeteria food that I would it was like the only thing I would remember as a kid not eating like was just like you're like and it was specifically the hot chicken sandwich which was, was like the memory of just being like nope goodbye peas. I'm just eating this bread, gravy, and chicken now. <laughs> like, wow, a healthy diet. That's right. All right. Well, thank you for this wonderful question, Vance. I think we're. Uh, uh, Ines, Ines, worst ones, or are you sticking with Brussels sprouts for a best and worst two first? Um, yeah, I guess like other than that, maybe like a parsnip or something. Like it's just like vegetables that you tend to eat just boiled. I think are really underwhelming. You know, it's and- like a lot of root vegetables are just kind of. Eh. Yeah, but that's the thing. I think all of those, if you prepare them, then like roasted or pan fried and there's butter and you get like some char on them, like a lot of those can be really wonderful. So that's why I think like best and worst could easily be the same vegetable each time, you know, because mm-hmm. you brought up preparation and I was like, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm I love gonna... wasabi peas, but I don't think that's a real pea in there. I think yeah, that's... it is. It's a pea that's just yeah. fried and powdered wasabi. It's just like, like a crunchy dried one. Yeah, anyway, so I, do like, I do like wasabi peas, so maybe that's. But there's like there's the, whatever whatever the wasabi is coated around is nothing to do with anything else. So, mm. Vance, do you like edamame? I do like edamame. I like beans, uh, beans and stuff. I'm I'm fine with. It's really just just it's plain just peas. peas. Yep. Interesting. Bean beans, I'm okay with. Uh, like edamame, string beans, like a like a beans parrot, not bean snap, like. Yeah, bean snaps or whatever when there's snow, like, peas. snow peas. Snow peas don't bother me that much. Just wow. just regular, like mushy green peas. I'm like, nope. No, thank you. I don't know why. It's like there's, and I, I really like, my wife will attest that she's like, those are basically that and olives are the two things that I am like. And again, not even a hard pass because if they're in something, I'll, I, I, I deal and I won't complain. But like if you're just if you just shove that either be peas or olives on the side, I'm like, meh. I will politely decline. Vance, thank you so much for, for doing the show. Uh, super glad that Montreal Improv is back. Obviously, MontrealImprov.com uh, is probably the way to go to not just uh, check out your shows that are coming up in, I guess, February, but to register for classes and I guess to like subscribe to all of your social media things so that when eventually there is a, uh, a physical venue that'll be the first place you find out about it. Yeah, Perfect. exactly. Thanks so much, Vance. Yeah, and hey, Vance, uh, I'm proud of you. I'm proud Aww. of you. I'm proud Aww. of you. Thank you. I'm proud of both of you, too. We did it. Thank you so Yay. Hey there, loyal listener who listens to the show all the way past the closing credits. Um, thank you for listening to Go Plug Yourself. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoy the show, I cannot stress this enough. Please tell people about it. We don't really have a budget for marketing or fancy Facebook ads or putting up billboards on the street. Uh, we really have to rely on word of mouth, which uh, basically means that if you listen to the show and you enjoy the show, please uh, share it, link it, uh, tell your friends about it. Say, hey, there's this show called Go Plug Yourself. They talk to Montrealers or people that have stuff going on in Montreal or uh, just people that have stuff 
to uh, promote that we kind of care about. We can we can go outside of Montreal if we want to. Um, yeah, so just tell tell people about the show. It's a it's a fun show. We we like doing it a lot. We've done it for over two hundred episodes, and it's in large part thanks to support from uh, people like you. Um, if you want to support the show at all, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash 9to5cc and uh, throw a couple bucks our way. It really helps with uh, the hosting fees for the most part. We're really not trying to make a profit on this. Um, and also, if you want to be a guest on the show or you know someone who might uh, want to be a guest on the show, you can uh, contact us either on Facebook or on Twitter. There's a bunch of ways to find us uh, and uh, and let us know. And if the scheduling and the timing and everything works out, maybe you can be the next person who uh, comes on the show and... Uh, plugs something a uh, big thank you as always to leland beckman and oral turpitude who provided our theme songs and of course a thank you to uh, all of the hosts that we have on the show uh walter j ling who is technically retired but still sometimes hosts uh christopher vendito lawrence corber and uh, ines anaya uh, all are all amazing co-hosts and you should support them and their comedy and uh and all of that uh thank you for listening thank you for choosing go plug yourself uh as one of your from the millions of podcasts and have a beautiful day. Thank you. 905.cc Podcast, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.